Hi everybody, I'm Amelia Easley and you are listening to the Sustainability of podcast. I'm currently studying environmental studies and international business at Santa Clara University. Each episode breaks down a company or product and its sustainable practices. I'm your one-stop shop for learning about everything sustainability related. I am so excited to talk about conventional versus organic cotton today, especially considering it is a major, major industry with very polarized viewpoints. There really isn't much of an in-between, so it's really interesting uh, for me to share what I've learned about this topic considering the different viewpoints. And I will say right off the bat that a lot of the articles that I found were biased toward organic cotton, but that's also why I'm here is to evaluate those sources and kind of like see where their facts come from and see what they say. So the debate of organic versus conventional cotton is that um, because organic cotton doesn't use chemical fertilizers to grow faster, it requires the same amount of energy and the same water-intensive farming practices as conventional cotton does, if not more. And then organic cotton also has going against it the fact that they're more susceptible to pests because their lack of chemical uh, pesticides, and I really think this can be debated using, you know, like with natural fertilizers and other types of natural pesticides and like pest introduction to feed, you know, to get, go against the pets that are, pests, pets, <laughs> pests that are introduced or that are attacking the plants. And then that can also cause a whole host of problems, but so can chemical fertilizers and pesticides. So really there's just a lot that goes into it and we're going to try and break it down into like the main issues. Cotton has been used for centuries, if not millennia, as a food and a fiber crop. It's used for livestock when there's a drought period because really the entire cotton plant is used for something, which I think is really important. It can be used to be ground up into an oil. It can be ground into livestock feed. We use it as a fabric. We can use like the little encasements around the seeds for anything else and then whatever is left can be made into mulch or soil and they often plant those because they still have nutrients back onto the cotton fields themselves. So I thought that was a really cool fact. But basically the plant grows, flower buds form on the plant and after those flower buds drop, the seed pod is formed. After the plant is pollinated, the cotton ball will grow and grow and grow and just kind of like overpowers the seed pod. And so it encapsulates, the cotton ball encapsulates around 27 to 45 seeds and the cotton fiber is made out of cellulose. Uh, so whenever you see something online or like at a store that says like this is, this this t-shirt or like this pair of jeans is x amount percent of cellulose you know where it comes from now and when that cotton ball or the cotton fiber plant is mature it's picked and the seeds are separated from the fiber and that's called being ginned um and what a cotton gin is used for and then after that the seeds are crushed into oil or incorporated into animal feed, so they go their separate way while the fiber goes its separate way toward textile mills where it is turned into fabric. So cotton plays obviously a very, as I've mentioned, an important role in feeding livestock during drought periods and um, then also you can just compost it. And so that's really cool if your product or if your clothing doesn't have any type of chemical dyes on it, um, then you can just compost it. 
which is really cool if it's a natural fabric. A super versatile fabric that's breathable and it can be worn every season. And you know, they, there are cotton sweaters, there are, you know, jeans, everything. And it's also an inherently hypoallergenic fabric uh, and is comfortable sitting close to the, to the skin. And you know, we can't say that about wool, or at least I can't. Cotton also absorbs water and it becomes stronger when it's wet. And then also, if you want to clean your cotton item, you can boil it instead of putting it in the laundry machine, if that's something that you're dying to do, I don't know. And then you can also easily dye the fabric and it can handle high heat. Besides wrinkling, the biggest con of cotton is its environmental impact during the production and then after it's done being used, just because I think pretty much all cotton fabric items, all fabric items in general, end up going to a landfill. So now we're gonna talk about conventional cotton. I'm gonna talk about social costs first. Before fertilizers even impact the environment from their application, the factories that produce them have a high environmental footprint just from the production of these pesticides. After their application, the hazardous chemicals used in the farming process might be cancer-causing and birth cause birth and hormonal defects. So really it's just every process in the production. So even the wearers are impacted. So Yes, the farmers are probably more impacted than you and I are by the chemicals that they have, you know, because they don't have the infrastructure and the their industry or themselves, they just don't have the money to buy protective gear and protect themselves. So they are more impacted by these chemicals. You and I are still impacted by them. And most of them are still potent enough to remain in the item after laundering and they can even transfer to other garments in your load. So that's kind of shocking. An article called Organic Fabric Saves Lives by Charlie Bradley Ross details it further and she compared our skin soaking up the chemicals in our clothes to a nicotine patch because they both sit on your skin and are absorbed into the bloodstream and as you know, skin is the largest organ in your body. And according to Ross, the, the farmers also have to keep their pesticides at homes, and so it's a high theft item. Those chemicals get into everything, including their food and water. So Greenpeace, uh, if you, you may have heard of this, Greenpeace tested many clothes from different companies like Armani, Zara, and Levi's even, and found that I think it was like two thirds of all the clothes that they tested contained carcinogenic chemicals. And most people, most clothes that people wear likely contain these chemicals, not just those brands. They tested many, many brands. Um, and I have a quote from them now to share. So Greenpeace's study said that, quote, a total of 141 items of clothing were purchased in April 2012 in 29 countries and regions worldwide from authorized retailers. The chemicals found included high levels of toxic phthalates in four of the garments and ca cancer-causing amines from the use of certain azo dyes in two garments. NPEs were found in 89 garments, just under two thirds of those tested, showing little difference from the results of the previous investigation into the presence of these substances in sports clothing that was conducted in 2011. In addition, the presence of many other types of potentially hazardous industrial chemicals was discovered across a number of the products tested, end quote. 
So these chemicals are still going to impact you no matter um, the item is secondhand or not. We're not immune even if we're doing the right thing. I was confused about what NPEs were uh, when I was reading this article and it said, I looked up online and it said that they are chemicals that eventually get into the water stream and wreak havoc on aquatic ecosystems. Uh, while not tested directly in humans, they have been found in human breast milk, blood, and urine. And rodents were impacted, they found in a study by NPEs through reproductive and developmental defects. And then all of the chemicals I just mentioned in that quote are also cancer causing. Another major social cost of conventional cotton is the debt cycle that farmers are put into. And because of the chemicals, so because of the chemicals that are used, the farmers often become ill and they have to take time off to seek medical care. And so they also, they become, they go into debt because of that in order to pay for their medical bills. And then beyond that, the chemicals that are used in pesticides are rendered useless once the pests become tolerant of them. And then the yields decrease because the pests eat the crops. Um, because they're tolerant to them, and then the farmers must increase their production yield by borrowing money from banks or cotton buyers, which means even more debt. And the United States also, because they subsidize conventional cotton like they do meat production and things like that, it pushes farmers into even more debt because of the increasingly lower prices consumers pay and the stagnant cost of production. As you know how cheap meat is, that's because it's subsidized by the government. I'm using that because I guess I know more about that than I know about the cotton industry, or at least I did before I did the research. It's super interesting to begin to recognize like this is why your t-shirt is so cheap. It's not even because of the fact that the workers who made the garment were paid so poorly, which is what I usually try and focus on, but not even that. It's just that they force these farmers into these conditions that they cannot get out of. And that fascinated me beyond belief and it opened my eyes to a whole new problem in the industry that I had no idea about. And it said genetically modified seeds are said to have contributed to over 270,000 farmers' suicides because of the cycle of debt. So when GM seeds were produced, that, even, that lowered the price of cotton even more. As I mentioned earlier, the pesticides used in agriculture are extremely toxic and they run off into the groundwater and so the soil and the water used on other agriculture and in our drinking water and the drinking water of other people in more impoverished countries are contaminated by these pesticides that are used. The need for pesticides arises from this system of monoculture that starts with um, really just realizing that you can produce cotton with the perfect color and it works, it always, you know, has the perfect output. They find the perfect cotton crop and then they mass produce it. That's what happened in the Irish potato famine and that's what they do now with the french fry that we all know and love. It's just the exact same type of potato because it's the perfect potato. And so monoculture is just, it's a huge, huge problem that not enough of us realized. And I only learned it in this intro to environmental studies class that I took. Um, so it's really just, it's opened my eyes to 
what we're dealing with and how we have like the same variety of soybeans that we produce in our fields, in commercial fields, the same variety of wheat, the same variety of potato, the same variety of everything. So in addition to the mass amounts of water that are used to grow cotton and to like irrigate the soil that leads to the salinization of the soil, which means like it just becomes super, super salty. In addition to that, the mass amounts of one type of crop that's used that's very water intensive, it'll decrease the nutrients and then the soil won't be farmable anymore. And then another crazy fact that I learned is that conventional cotton can use more than 20,000 liters of water to make one kilogram of cotton. That's equivalent to jeans and a t-shirt. One pair of jeans and one cotton t-shirt uses 20,000 liters of water. However, as I mentioned that I would uh, find some articles that are biased toward conventional cotton, I found an article or a little graphic uh, from the Keystone Center's first report in uh, January 2009 by Cotton Incorporated on Barnhart's Barnhart Manufacturing Co.'s website says that in the last 20 years, the production of one pound of cotton has been much less resource intensive over time. So the production energy used went down by 66%. The CO2 emissions went down by 33%. Soil loss went down by 34%, and water usage went down by 49%. That was published in 2009, that was 11 years ago, and I'd like to know what those statistics are now, because I also understand within the last couple years even, just the importance of more sustainable farming practices are becoming more popular and more desired and asked for by consumers. Now we move on to organic cotton. Organic cotton is made with no synthetic fertilizers or pesticides, which means that the water, the soil, and the air aren't negatively impacted, nor are the farmers who pick the cotton in the fields from pesticides or the people who end up wearing them. This is a different story when it comes to dyeing clothes, when it comes to the when people who wear them are impacted. Um, because you know you could have a 100% organic cotton t-shirt but i also read a statistic i also read a statistic that said that even the dyes that you wear in organic cotton clothes the the methods that are used to dye them are still the same as conventional cotton so really it, it could be almost just as bad that's something to think about something to ask your local companies how they dye their fabrics Also, people with allergies and respiratory problems don't need to worry about the chemicals in organic cotton fabrics because there aren't any except in the dyes, like I just mentioned. According to Stella McCartney's website, farming techniques used in organic cotton farming are far less water intensive because most of the crop is irrigated through rainfall and because no chemicals are used and there are none entering the earth nor our bodies. According to the USDA government website, it says that land must not have prohibited substance must not have had prohibited substances applied to it for at least three years. Soil fertility is managed through quote tillage and cultivation practices, crop rotations, and cover crops, supplemented with animal and crop waste materials and allowed synthetic materials. End quote. 
on the government, the UK government website, what counts as organic or as organic farming says avoiding artificial fertilizers and pesticides, using crop rotation and other forms of husbandry to maintain soil fertility, controlling weeds, pesticides, and diseases, using husbandry techniques and where necessary approved materials to control pests and diseases, and using a limited number of approved products and substances where necessary in the processing of organic food. Finally, According to Cotton Australia's website, they claim that organic cotton has been found to be uneconomical, at least if it were grown in Australia, and more susceptible to pest damage. Just something that I wanted to make sure that all of us were under the understanding of is that you can have many products or properties of organic cotton and many practices that are used for organic cotton, but only be producing conventional cottons, like with small farmers, because it's very difficult. You have to have right connections, you have to have the right connections, you have to have uh, been growing for long enough, and you also have to have, I think, a solid like amount of money to become a, or to, to have the certification for organic, and this goes for everything from food to livestock, and so, you know, major companies that are using the USDA organic label still may have very poorly, like foie gras can be organic, but they're still shoving metal tubes down ducks' throats to feed them matter. Every foie gras is conventionally factory farmed in the disgusting way that we know it, but just because they're fed organic food means that it's organic. And then there can also be small farmers that don't count as organic, that are using above, far, far and above uh, healthy practices for their crops and the people in the communities surrounding that farm. So just something to keep in mind and always try and support small businesses when possible because especially right now, uh, they're the first to go when the economy is disrupted. So I always encourage, like, even if you can find a CSA box from a local farm, that way you can support them instead of getting, you know, like, Whole Foods delivery from Amazon to get your produce. Just some ideas. Um, yeah, I think that's all I have to leave you with. And this is a shorter episode, so thank you for sticking with me. And I'm so excited. Yeah, this is really interesting. I learned a lot. I hope you learned a lot. It's just there are a lot of intricacies, but um, I hope I laid down the biggest arguments and issues with these industries. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of your quarantine. That's all for this episode. Check out my Instagram in the show notes and feel free to leave me any suggestions for future topics. I'll see you all in my next episode.